the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Bullington Capital Report, hosted by Bill Bullington. For the next hour, you'll receive information on current market conditions and trends that could affect your financial future. If you have a question, you can participate in today's program by calling 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0WHK. You can also reach Bill by going to his website, BullingtonCapital.com. And now, here's Bill Bullington. Well, welcome back. It's been a kind of a interesting week, a couple weeks. The uh, markets really haven't moved all that much, which is really interesting. Some of the movement within the market has been relatively muted compared to the way the uh, year started out. That was kind of a really interesting. But before I get to all that, I would uh, like to invite anybody that wants to ask a question to call us 216-901-0945, 216-901-0945. If a question, comment, uh, feel free to give us a buzz. <clears throat> also, we're going to talk about a little bit today, the quickest path recovery without increasing your risk. This is the, the topic of the seminar coming up. Now, a lot of stock portfolios over the you know, past few months have had a lot of volatility. Makes people really nervous when they see their investments going up and down that fast. And we're going to talk about several different investment options that can help you recover quicker without increasing the amount of risk you're taking. That's kind of a big deal. The uh, If you can get more for less, sometimes you get less for more, by the way. <laughs> that, that happens quite often, <laughs> especially when you're taking lots of risk. When you're taking lots of risk, oftentimes you get less for more. You're taking more risk and you're getting less return. And uh, I can tell you a number of ways that, that that happens. And in fact, that's actually to be expected. The, the more aggressive you are, eventually, you know, I think, and this is something that I, I'm going to cover in that course that I'm working on. An, an awful lot of people have the expectation that if I take more risk, I'm just going to make more money. Well, yeah, but it's at the expense of more risk. That's, <laughs> that's the thing. Risk means going up and going down. So it's going to go down more than you expected because you're taking more risk. And somehow that that last half of that equation gets dropped off of their conversation or their thought process. And they end up taking more risk. And then when it does go down, and it goes down a lot, and it goes down a lot more than it would have had they not taken the risk, then they want to quit. <laughs> that is not the good, that, that's not the right way to do that. Uh, the uh, the right way to do that is understand, yes, I'm taking more risk. Yes, that is going to include more fluctuation. And if you think about it that way, I think you have a pretty good chance of surviving. And the reason I say survive is, you know, you look at the uh, S&P 500 
large company stocks, right? It's down from peak to trough last year, 26%. Think about that. 26%. This, these are stocks like Facebook, you know, the beloved, uh, Netflix. Who doesn't love Netflix? Yeah. Amazon. Who doesn't love Amazon? Average for the index was about 26%. The average large stock was right around 26%. The average smaller stock was more like 50. Think about that for a second. You're in one of the top 500 companies in the entire world, and it has a 50% range. And that's normal. See, this is what my industry is not telling. They're not releasing this information. They're not talking about it because they're afraid that people won't invest. I think people invest better. I think they'll do better. If you go into it with the expectation that you can have a lot of fluctuation and that you don't really know when it's going to happen, then you, you design your portfolio around that. Now let's work with the real numbers. The one that uh, kills me is the standard deviation number, which is talked about. Now they've actually, I've, well, I've seen a huge firm. I, I don't want to name them because I don't want to hear from their to- attorneys. They, uh, but this firm is very influential. <laughs> And they've, they've changed the language they've used instead of standard deviation there. They said standard fluctuation because they know fluctuate to people is, is not as, um, not understandable as standard deviation because standard deviation hardly anybody understands, but fluctuate. Most people get that. Yeah. So they've actually interchanged that word and I'm going, Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I don't know. The, um, fortunately there are no police that govern exactly everything that you can say. There are police that govern what you say, by the way. It's uh, called the Securities and Exchange Commission and also the uh, FINRA. Might have heard of them before. So they, they kind of govern what you're allowed to say. In uh, um, So you have big restrictions on that kind of thing. Anyway, just thought I would bring that up because the seminar is, uh, you know, it, it's pretty important. If, if you could increase returns without increasing risk or maybe just get the same returns while taking less risk, that would be good. And, and I can tell you the number one, um, mistake that, that a lot of people make when they're talking, when they're looking at their investments, if they look at it too closely is they take a, a short time period, which is three to five years, by the way. That's, sh- that's short term. First thing is they don't believe what I just said. They want to reject that because it doesn't agree with what they the way they would like it to work. And psychological terms, that's called a cognitive bias. Because okay? now you know the facts and you choose to ignore the facts and stick with your version. <laughs> but the uh, anyway, when you hear when they hear that, they're like, "Oh no, they can't. Can that be? That can't be true." And those people that accept it, and I was the same, by the way. All, every one of the mistakes anybody has ever made. I've made every single one of them. And I, I'm here to tell you, it doesn't, it's not the end of the world. You can learn, you can adjust your behavior. You can develop patience, you can develop understanding. And that, that's a big deal. That, that is more important than knowing how to read a financial statement. As you can actually be uh, not that good at reading financial statements and do very well in investing. 
and it's kind of a it's I think it's kind of funny. It's very upsetting to people who who have spent an enormous number of time amount of time rather and effort and energy learning how to read this stuff, figuring out the future. Basically, that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to learn how to accurately estimate the future by looking at the past. Woohoo! The uh, <laughs> you will not be able to do that. That is that's one of the reasons they make us say. Past performance is not indicative of future performance. How many, have you ever heard that from anybody? Yes. If, if you're in America and you're past the age of three, <laughs> you probably remember hearing that somewhere. Yeah. I'm kidding about the age of three. Yeah. Probably age of two. <laughs> just, just being facetious. Anyway. So that's what we're going to be talking about. How do you recover without increasing your risk? Um, there are lots of things you can do. And um, it'll happen. The more risk you take, the more volatility, the more fluctuation. In fact, somebody called or emailed me, one of my clients, and said, hey, last week you said you're only down about 8% or so. And so I told them I would clarify that. Yeah, my average client's actually uh, older. And most of the portfolios are balanced. And the average decline was 8%. Actually, that was the decline across the entire, um, my entire book of business. So when the market was down 20, we were down eight. He goes, but I was down a lot more than that. Well, that's because you have a lot more of your money in stocks. See, that's actually how that works. If you were 100% in stock, you'd have been down around 20, 25% or so. No sweat. So if you're 80% in stocks, you know, you're going to be down a lot more than somebody who's only 50 or 60% in stock. And that's one of the things that you can use. And inevitably, this is what everybody tries to do at some point in time and there were things there are things that you can do along these lines to be able to move your money in and move your money out to try to avoid some of that downside and try to capture most of the upside yes there are things you can do you will not have time to do it if you have a normal life if you have family if you have kids you have to fire all those family and kids and sit in front of your computer screen because you won't be able to move and and even then, what's going to happen is you might get a 1% increase in your returns. Really? Is that worth that? Alienate your, your, your job? Quit your job because you're going to have to sit in front of the computer screen? Tell your family to go away from the, the market hours that are open? Oh, by the way, by the, the stocks trade overnight now, too. So you got to have alarms set that wake you up in the middle of the night. <laughs> What I'm saying, and it doesn't even help that much. I mean, is there help? Yes, there's a help. It's not a lot. I forgot when I first heard that saying. That's that. That's a really long run for a very short slide. Yeah, that, that's exactly how I would describe that. Are they available? Yes. And by the way, you can get the book. It's called the Encyclopedia of Technical Market Indicators. Start studying it. I did. I wrote the code. I rewrote the code for each and every one of the uh, um, methodologies that they talked about because I don't believe anybody. And I had to check back test it myself. And the vast majority of the stuff in that book, guess what? It works like it says it does. And there are a lot of methods in there that increase your performance. See, the problem is they don't work like you think they do. They don't work like you want them to work. The vast majority of them lose on more transactions than they win on. I said, well, well how could that be? If I'm losing on 60 or 70 or even 80% of my transactions, how could I possibly make making any money? See, you never studied gaming theory. You never did. 
because gaming theory takes the percentage of winning trades and multiplies them by the average win and subtracts the, the percentage of losing uh, transactions, gambles, bets, buys and purchases of stocks, multiplies them by the average loss and subtracts the one from the wins. And if there's a positive number there, guess what? There's a positive expectancy. What that means is you should be profitable doing that. And when you do that, I know nobody understands what I just said. That's okay. Don't worry about it. I do. When you're doing that, what you're going to find is that the, the methodologies that make the most money in financial markets fall into two categories. One of them is super long-term, where you use math and you're just very patient. The other is super short-term, and you better be get you better be ready to have a lot of losing trades because you're going to win on less than one out of three. Those are the one. But let me preface that by saying, if you want to make a lot of money, or if you want to make money at all, you got to be willing to lose most of the time. Well, how does that work? Well, let me ask you. How come a guy who bats 300 gets millions of dollars in the, in the uh, Major League Baseball? He's striking out seven out of ten times. Seven out of ten times. He goes, and he whiffs. <laughs> but if he, can, if he can connect three times out of, and you know how many pitches that guy sees to get one hit? <laughs> I mean, I would like to see that statistic sometime. How many 300 hitters who go, all go down in the Hall of Fame? get paid millions of dollars how many average pitches do they see for every time they connect successfully you know that number has got to be huge so if any of you guys i'll tell you what i'll give a hundred bucks anybody that can substantiate that to me if you know the answer to that i'll pay a hundred dollars for that how, what are the average number of pitches now i'm not going to give a hundred bucks to everybody by the way just uh the first one that answers <laughs> it'll save me for, It'll save me from having to do the work, but you're going to have to defend the work. You understand that? <laughs> you're going to have to tell me exactly where you and how you did it. I'm not just interested in duplicating it. I just want to know that you did the work. That's all. So how many pitches does the average 300 hitter, this is a tough one, does the average 300 hitter see uh, in his uh, over a season? I, we, I can do the rest of the math myself because I know that if he's hitting 300, I'll figure out, I'll do the percentages, but I just want to know how many pitches they see to get uh, on base. Well, you know what, I don't want to put it that way, to get on base safely. So how many pitches does an average 300 hitter see to get on base? That should be, uh, what, was that, what was that movie, Moneyball, where they were doing all the statistics on that? <laughs> do, you know, uh, do you know that guy in Moneyball that, that owned the uh, Boston? Um, shoot, his name is uh, escaping me. Yeah, doggone it. Well, anyway, the guy never went to college. The guy that owned uh, Boston in that movie, the guy that uh, kind of uh, copied what they were doing out in Oakland, he was a hedge fund manager. And his dad was a uh, uh, very successful, I, I don't know if he was a broker or managed the fund, but this kid knew what I was just talking about. And kid, he's a uh, you know, old guy now. But the uh, anyway, he started this fund doing these things, his fund was one of the more successful hedge funds ever existed. That's how he got the money to be the majority owner of the Boston Red Sox. Yeah. So he was doing these things. He would be wrong seven out of 10 times. Didn't matter. I think, you know, I think it didn't matter because he knew baseball (laughs) and occasionally he would hit one of these home runs 
And his fund had a phenomenal track record. I mean, it was just phenomenal. He was number one. This guy was number one. Didn't go to college. Could explain on the back of an envelope what he was doing with the money. Could not get, give people the guts to stick it out. So his fund, it was so funny, it would have these huge swings up and down. And uh, average returns were just phenomenal. But he would be down 70% one year. Now, let me put this into perspective for you. Your, your average decline is 70%. So let's say you started with a $100,000. You're down to thirty in a year. <laughs> you're not panicking? Yeah, I don't think so. Well, most people are, are panicking at that point. Anyway, then when he comes back and goes up 350% the next year, those people that stuck it out were happy that they, that they did that. And I think after his fees, which were enormous, by the way, his fees were enormous, I'm pretty sure his uh, return to the investors was close to 20%. It was close. I think it was somewhere between 17 and 20%. So anyway, the, um, but that guy, you know, I'm telling you, it's, he's, a, he's a numbers guy. And when they saw what they were doing out in Oakland, it made sense to them almost immediately. Who's the, uh, I'm going to have to look this up. I apologize. I'm actually Googling this. Well, yeah, John Henry. That's the dude. The uh, He's much more of a, uh, you know, everybody knows him for, a bo- or a lot of people know him from Boston, but what they didn't know is uh, that investment management firm. I'm telling you, uh, guy was tough. Yeah, mentally, he was really tough. Fortunately, investing in stocks, it's not like that. I mean, it's really, it's not as hard. To get a 70% decline, um, I haven't lived through one of those. I mean, I, I know there were, during the Depression, I think the S&P, or not, that was before the S&P, the, the Dow was down about 70 or 85% at one point in time. That's spooky. Yeah, by the way, it's it's long-term average if you had invested the year before that happened and suffered that 85% decline, your long-term average is, is between 9 and 10%, depending on when you started. Think about that for a second. How do you go down like that and then come back and then have a return that's so high? We'll talk about how we do that right after these commercial messages. Look, listening to Bill Bullington right here on 1420. Stay tuned. Coming back. (laughs) So, we're talking about a lot of stuff. We do have a uh, seminar coming up. And if you go to my website, bullingtoncapital.com, click on the seminar tab, you'll see it there. You can sign up. There's no cost. Uh, Seating is uh, free, actually. It is limited, though. And we're going to be at the Tri-C's Corporate College. Uh, if you've never been there, it's really nice. It's where they, you know, Kevin Costner filmed that uh, movie about the Browns. You know, it's, that, in, in fact, that was filled right across the hall from the room that we use <clears throat> to do the seminar. And uh, it's a good time. And, they, you know, the, this stuff has got, it, it is very simple today. I'm looking, I was thinking about this over the past week or so. The market's a lot easier and more accessible to more people than it's ever been is you don't have to have a, uh, a lot of money anymore. 
Firms have lowered their man, their minimums. The fees are next to nothing. I mean, you might as well say free as far as I'm concerned. Five bucks, who cares? The, uh, I, and I'm telling you right now, it, it's insignificant, especially if you're not trying to do something, um, dumb, you know, doing something dumb would be day trading. That, that's not good. That, you, you can't win there because if you do, it's just luck. You'll give it back. And the reason is there are these firms called high frequency trading firms are computers. Hard to move faster than a computer who manages, I'm, I'm sorry, who measures its speed in one millionth of a second. It's called a millisecond. That's what they measure their speed in. Really? You going to move that fast? <laughs> I would love to see that. If you are able to do that, send me a video. I'd like, <laughs> I don't know. Actually, probably wouldn't even be able to see it. Yeah. So that's how quickly that these guys are executing. So anyway, and the stuff that you can do, it's not that complicated. It does require an enormous amount of patience. It's going to require an enormous amount of stick to And those that don't won't. I mean, it's just, that's just the way it is. And, uh, and, and all this stuff. You know. I took a class last week in uh, life and health. Why? Um, because people want guarantees. They do. Well, you can get guarantees. You can buy government bonds that are guaranteed. You can buy CDs that are guaranteed. You can buy fixed income annuities that are guaranteed. They having they have guarantees on some other annuity products out there. I'm not a big fan of a lot of those, by the way. You, you really have to be careful with that. And that's actually why I got the license, to be able to go in and see, to be able to talk to the companies and ask them directly because if you're not licensed to do business with them, they're not going to answer your questions, not the questions that really need to be answered. You know, that you have to, you have to contact an agent for. So, oh, okay. Well, I just, I'll become an agent then because now I'm going to call you and ask you that question again. And uh, this time I'll get an answer. And they're very complicated. They're very complicated. I use one product. I love it. it the company got bought out by Nationwide. It's a, it's an investment only annuity. It's only for tax deferral. Now, who could benefit from this? I'll tell you. And anybody that doesn't like paying taxes, that, that's the first one. Uh, there's a, it's got kind of a high minimum. It's like 25000 because they only have a $20 a month mortality and expense charge. That's what the insurance companies charge. Okay. Theirs is only 25 bucks a month. It's the cheapest on the planet. So you could have a million dollars in there, and the insurance charge is only 25 bucks a month because they're really only pay, uh, doing the paperwork. That's what they're doing. You get cheaper funds that are inside the product. The funds are less expensive because they're institutional. To buy an to invest in an institutional mutual fund, you have to be registered as an institution, by the way. And then you have to put a million dollars minimum into one of those funds. So you'll get access to that through this product that I'm talking about. Like, and the, the company just got bought out by Nationwide. In a nationwide, the nice thing about that is nationwide has huge deep pockets. And so they put a lot of money into the system to make it easier to manage for people like myself, which is awesome. This is a new wave. It's a new day. Uh, and I think it's a really good way to go. So, and we'll talk a little bit about that. I'm going to talk a little bit about that going forward because it's, it's a big deal. You've got funds from Fidelity, Vanguard, T. Rowe Price, you name it. They're 370. And, uh, you know, People do non-deductible IRAs for the tax deferral. You shouldn't do that because you're only allowed to put a, a certain amount of money into a non-deductible IRA when you do a, a non-qual, this is what they call it. The, the technical term is a non-qualified annuity. 
that means you're not taking a tax deduction for it, but it gets tax deferral. When you need to rebalance your portfolio, because maybe you put some of the money in small cap growth and that's done very well, and now you want to redistribute that into some of your other funds to try to handle manage the risk. Okay, If you do that in a taxable account, you got to account for all that and pay taxes. Not in this. That's pretty neat. Especially if you're in a position where you're above the age of 70 and you're having to take out required minimum distributions. If you're taking those things out and you have taxable money, well, you're paying taxes on your distribution and the money that you uh, have in taxable accounts. If you defer that, defer those taxes, that can have a big impact on the amount of taxes you're paying. So I think it's, it, it, and by the way, it's about time. This, this product's only been around for a few years and I've been using it. I was kind of nervous because I've seen companies try to do this. They came, they came and went. In fact, Nationwide tried many times to launch a product like this and, and failed. So they did the next best thing. They went out and bought one that was successful. <laughs> and then they bring their marketing might and the money behind it. And uh, it's a really nice uh, addition. You should take a look at it. And if you have if you have products, if you have new any products, you'd like us to take a look at them. Um, we don't believe in, in pressuring anybody. We're not a low-pressure firm. We're a no-pressure. I have a hard enough time calling back the people who want to talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> the ones who want to talk to me. So we were not going to pressure anybody and we'll give you an, an honest opinion about what we think. We'll point. Most people are investing in things then they don't even understand them. They have no idea what they're doing. It sounded good at the time. That That's good. That's, that's okay. That happens. So if you're, uh, if you have questions regarding that kind of stuff, you know, feel free to, to give us a call, send us an email. Um, what you need is a sample policy. If you have an annuity, you need a sample policy or the actual original uh, policy and contract that you got when you opened it. And we can get all the information that we need from there. So we'll take a look at it. Some of the expenses on some of those products are just enormously high. I mean, just enormous. I don't even want to go into the, uh, all that, but there's, you know, it's kind of like people. There are, are people who are pretty nice and people that not so much. The, uh, there are products out there that are pretty nice and some products not so much. Yeah. They're more in the interest of, and I, you know, I don't even, I don't think anybody's ever created a product just to try to take advantage of the public. I'm pretty sure that's, that's never happened. Um, but you know, they create products and they have a lot of fees that people may not be aware of for things that may not, they may not even need. So that's a, uh, something you might want to take a look at. And anyway, DC, let's see. I've got a few minutes left here before the next commercial break. If you'd like to call and ask a question, number is 216-901-0945, 216-901-0945. And, uh, you know, I'm just going to pull something up here. I was looking at the uh, S&P last week. Actually, Friday it was up. It's down a couple of days before that. It, you know, from the bottom, this, this is what is amazing, okay? From the bottom, which happened just a few weeks ago, Market was down from October. If you measure from the top to the bottom, was down about twenty percent, just slightly less on a closing basis, intraday basis. It was twenty percent. That's a big drop in a relatively short time period. Since December, it's up fifteen percent. Think about that for a second. Just in a few weeks. 15%. And this is what draws everybody in and sucks them in and say, boy, if I could just time that up. Yeah, you and about 
3 billion other people over the past 100 years that have tried that. <laughs> Very difficult to do. Extremely difficult. When I say extremely difficult, I'm talking the Browns going undefeated. Difficult. That's the level. Those are your chances. Notice I didn't say the Browns going undefeated and holding all the other teams scoreless. I didn't say that. (laughs) But the Browns going undefeated, yeah. Is there a chance? Yep. Is it a good one? Probably not. (laughs) The same way with trying to time up the market. You know, and, and if you don't believe it, and I don't know, a lot of people don't want to believe that. And they all will, you know, and, and I get it. You know, there are a bunch of scam artists out there. And you know, I shudder every time I think about all the money I spent buying these, these programs that were supposed to work. And, uh, and they didn't. I mean, just really, I could have built a house <laughs> easily. Pretty nice one <laughs> for the money. And then that's actually what, inspired me to go and learn how to write code so that I could test these ideas. And then, uh, I, th- that really saved me a lot of money. It took me about three years, by the way, but the, uh, good thing I was young. Yeah, was. <laughs> so I spent all this time and effort and energy. And then I started telling these guys, listen, I'll tell, I'll tell you what the, uh, you describe the strategy to me. I'm going to write you a check. I'm going to postmark the check. If your strategy works and I'm going to test it, I'll send you the results. If it works, you can cash the check and I won't cancel it. If it doesn't work, I'm canceling the check. Now, how confident are you? And the next thing I hear was click. <laughs> Those guys just, they, they went away. It was amazing. And it's almost like I almost got on a do not call list from everybody that sold a, a system after I'd been on the do call list really quickly <laughs> for several years. And, uh, and then when you find out what actually works, like the John Henry, the guy that didn't go to college and owns all those sports teams, he's a billionaire. Billionaire. He could show you on the back of an envelope what he did. I can, I can show you that too. I can't give you the, the courage to stick it out. That's hard. It, it's hard. Now, if it were easy, you know, everybody would be really rich. In fact, here's something to think about. If you could predict accurately a 1% or 2% move. By the way, the average daily range... For the S&P 500, it's about 1%. That's its average daily range. It's about 1%. So an options on a futures contract purchased at the right time would go up about 20% for that 1% move. If you got the right options contract on the uh, on a futures contract on the S&P 500 and you accurately predicted a 1% move, you could make 20% on your money. Why aren't there a bunch of billionaires around? Why aren't there a ton of billionaires? And I'll tell you why. Because that's really hard to do. Really hard. And uh, there are a whole bunch of reasons for that. But I guess I've really kind of gotten off topic here this morning, but uh, that's not unusual for me to to do that kind of thing. I really appreciate if uh, people wanted to call and uh, ask questions. Uh, You know what was really interesting, I thought, when I was taking this class to be able to I was taking it basically to be able to look at the fixed rates, the guaranteed rates on uh, fixed annuities. Yeah, because I really don't have a product for that right now. And there's a lot of demand for it. So if you can get a, an A-plus rated carrier, what kind of interest rate might you get uh, on something like that? You know, by the way, the, the 
the guarantee is only as good as the underlying company that's guaranteeing that company. So you've got to be careful and cognizant of that. Uh, the higher rates tend to come from companies whose uh, financial statements may be you know, not as good as those that have the you know, A-plus rating. So you have to watch that too. And I hear that a lot. Well, this is guaranteed. Guaranteed by who? Who's making that guarantee? You know, Bernie Madoff guaranteed a lot of people a lot of stuff. You saw how good that was. And by the way, Bernie Madoff used to be the president of the NASDAQ. Think about that for a second. Talk about crazy. So guarantees are only as good as the people that are making the companies that are backing them up. What? You know, they can be very good. Uh, a lot of them have been around for over 100 years. Uh, many of them have been around for decades. Uh, they have rating agencies that go in. You can actually pull up their portfolios. If if I call them, uh, they'll show me what they're investing in. And uh, you can come up with a really good idea of how aggressive or how conservative these companies are. And it's a big deal. If you can get a a, a rate that, you know, somewhere in 35 or 4%, uh, there are an awful lot of people now that say, yeah, well, I'll take that because, you know, uh, I'm going to see they're so tired. You know, they're so tired. I, I get asked this all the time. They're tired of, of watching the market, of watching the fluctuation. Now, reality is you're probably not going to do as well as you would if you had a diversified stock portfolio. You probably won't. But you won't have to see the ups and downs either. So there's a trade off there. It's kind of like uh, buying a house. Do you know that a home is one of the worst investments you can make? Do you know that? Realtors in there are just cringing right now. Yeah. What? What does he say? You, you, you can't say that? Oh, yes, I can. This is my show. <laughs> oh, no. What the heck? That was a phone call. That's funny. That is hilarious. I thought I had my phone turned off. Anyway, you can... They, uh, um, do, get a little, do a little math here. Take the house that you bought, add all the interest that you paid on the house over the years, uh, add the real estate taxes, add the maintenance costs, and get ready. When you see that, you're going to find out that you have a lot less money than you invested in that house. It actually costed you money. You have a house because you want a house. There's a cost to wants. You know, that's, and this is one of the things that uh, um, they need to teach to 12-year-old kids. There's a difference between a want and a need. Uh, a need is something, you know, you have to eat food. You need food because if you don't eat food, you die. Okay. But you don't have to have the latest iPhone. That's a want. Yeah, but everybody else, no. Okay, let's let's differentiate. And you have a house because you want a house. And I get it. Now, and by the way, to an awful lot of people, it's worth it. And we'll talk about why it's worth it right after these commercial messages. You listen to Bill Bullington right here on 1420. Stay tuned. And we're back. Hey, just want to thank everybody for listening. And all the longtime listeners out there, thanks for sending questions uh, through the email to help me try to pick up topics for doing this program. Um, I really appreciate all the help and support I've had over the years. 
If you'd like to call in today, the number is 216-901-0945, 216-901-0945. We're just kind of talking about um, the tax deferral. We're talking about houses. You know, and um, actually, I have somebody in here with me that uh, doesn't want to come on the air today, but uh, that's okay. Maybe I can talk her into coming in later. She's got a, a, a really nice mindset for this business. In fact, I think she's probably Mr. Calling. <laughs> she, should, she should have been in my field. But so she, we were talking about how, you know, people have their ha- houses and they really don't understand all the costs that go into it. And, uh, uh, but, there's also the the you know there's a cost benefit thing going on there where yeah things cost things they cost you money because there are benefits that you get from doing certain things like uh if you have a house there's a cost to it is it going to be more than you could possibly you know potentially spend doing something else probably because there are always other options that may be less money but it may not be worth it to you you know that that's what you, that those kinds of questions are the ones that are almost impossible to answer. What should I do? If you're asking financially, well, that's just one aspect of it. The other aspect is how are you going to feel uh, when when things get people had tend to have problems is when they want something that they can't afford. That's a problem because they want it, but they don't have the money for it. So if they go ahead and buy that, that's going to take money away from other things like maybe putting a kid through college or saving for their own retirement. And I can tell you that's the number one place people take money. They borrow from their retirement funds all the time. Or they borrow from their ability to contribute to their retirement funds. They can't contribute to it because they're paying a house payment that's too high uh, because they wanted it so badly. And I'm not here to judge anybody on anything i've made an you know what in fact i've made every financial mistake you could possibly make (laughs) at one point in time at some point in time one or another but i always like to think anyway that i like to learn from my mistakes i may make the mistake two or three times in fact because i'm kind of stubborn that way but eventually (laughs) i do have a tendency to get it and that's a uh, uh, that's a big deal. I mean, it doesn't matter if you've made mistakes. Who hasn't? I mean, you can't go through life not making mistakes. In fact, Sam Walton, I, I love this quote by him. He said he climbed the ladder of success wrong by wrong. You know, ten words. You get that? Wrong by wrong, wrong by wrong. The, uh, and he had a lot of problems when he first started out. And he learned from them. Learned from every single one of them. Walt Disney. Do you know Walt Disney had to file for bankruptcy? Walt Disney, the guy that built Disney, <laughs> he, uh, he literally had to file for bankruptcy. So, But he learned. And uh, they all learn. The ones that are super smart. Jeff Bezos, you know, that we were talking about that. I was talking about that with my friend here. Uh, how smart this, this guy was and how many how he talked about all the mistakes that he'd made. And, and he was talking about how one day Amazon wouldn't exist anymore. It would go away. It would be replaced probably by the other company that he's starting up right now. <laughs> but the uh, uh, guy's so smart, and I, I just admire people like that so much because they're looking at things and saying, okay, there's a cost. There's a cost to this. What is that cost going to be? Is it worth it? And that's those are the things that only you can really answer. So there's no right plan. There's no plan that 
will guarantee success if you just do this, this, and this, because you might not get enough satisfaction out of that, out of that to live your life. And when you do stuff like that, what tends to happen is it goes until it can't, and then something breaks. You know, and then uh, that's not good. So it's tough. That's one of the reasons I think financial advisors probably going to be needed for a while because you just want to bounce those ideas off of somebody who's objective, who says, okay, yeah, if you do that, here's what the you know repercussions would be or here's what the benefits would be. You know, here are your benefits. Here are your costs. What do you think? Then you get to make the decision. At least that's what a, a good financial advisor would do, in my opinion. Listen to what you're saying. Try to figure out how to best help you do what you want to do and show you the options and show you the potential outcomes. That's a big deal. That's a really big deal. And the investment part of this is actually um, the least complicated. It's not something that, that people like a lot. Uh, if you are going to go with a, a high-risk portfolio like we started talking about earlier in the show today, understand that risk has two sides. One is the side that goes up. The other is the side that goes down. The more potential it has to go up, typically, the more fluctuation you're going to see on the downside. Like John Henry, that guy's funds. I used to watch him, and I was thinking, holy cow, who's investing in those? The uh, he, How could I would never put more than, you know, 2% of my money in that. It was just too volatile. But dude had a great track record. It was unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And looking back, it would have been very tempting. It would have been very tempting to say, all right, every once in a while, that guy will go down like 70%, but not often, but he has more than once. And then he comes ripping back. It would have been very tempting I didn't have the, he had a huge minimum requirement by that point in time, by the way. I didn't have the money to put it in there. And um, it was at that point, he was so successful as dealing mostly with institutions. So anyway, but uh, you could actually duplicate a lot of what he was doing. One of the uh, funds that he ran was purely metals. It was silver, gold, platinum. That was it. It was just metals. And it was a super simple trend following strategy, which I thought was hilarious. I understood it. I knew it backwards and forwards. And I'm like, I don't have the guts for that. <laughs> I can't. Just, I just can't do it. Yeah. So for me, the cost watching the volatility, watching that thing fluctuate as wildly as it did, was too high for the potential benefit. And uh, you, you, there's no way you could do it for a couple thousand bucks. You, you, you'd have to put you know, a lot of a substantial amount of money into it to be able to keep your transactions costs lower. So there's when I. I'm often saying there's an element of luck to everybody's life. A lot of people knew how to do what he was doing. In fact, there was a bunch of people that made a whole bunch of money doing the same things that he was doing. But he was born into a family that operated in those financial markets and was brought up very young. So right place, right time. Yeah. Yep. But did he have the guts to to stick it out? Yep. I mean, that's not taking anything away from that guy. That is incredibly difficult to do. So think about this. What I just said, you had to have a lot of money to be able to get into doing something like that. And now you've got a lot of money and it's fluctuating a lot. <laughs> 70% declines. So this is what's really funny. Let's say, you know, and it wasn't, they weren't very frequent. It's not like it was every year, you know, but uh, every three or four years, you know, that's still kind of frequent. If he was down 50% and you said, all right, 
I'm going to buy when this dude's down 50% because I know I can't really get the exact bottom. I won't, nobody's ever going to ring a bell. And my crystal ball is not going to tell me it's time to invest in that fund. But it doesn't go down more than 50% that often. So I think when that happens, I'll start to buy. So he's down 50% and you buy. And he goes down 70% from the peak. Okay, that's another 20. You're down 40% lickety split. You bought when he was down 50 and all of a sudden you're down 40. (laughs) And uh, that's what it's like, though, to make the really big money in financial markets. You're going to put up with a lot about now. Had you held on, I mean, you'd be fine. And in fact, you'd have made an enormous amount of money if you'd have given enough time. Amazon, by the way, people forget this. People act like this never happened. Amazon was down 95% when the internet bubble crashed, busted. 95% it was down. Not are you telling me you would not be upset if you had a hundred thousand dollars in Amazon and it's now worth five thousand dollars? How about if you just had ten thousand dollars in Amazon and now it's worth five hundred bucks? Okay. You're not upset by that? The uh and that's what you have to guard against. And uh, I know I've talked a lot about specific and really high risk stuff today. By the way, this that's actually not what I do. That's not what the seminar's about. Quickest, the seminar is about the quickest path to recovery without increasing your risk. Without increasing the risk. We want to, uh, if you haven't recovered or if you've gone down too much, you need to take a look at what you're doing. Figure out what you need to do logically to get that money back. Set yourself on a path and, and let it go. Then you monitor, make adjustments along the way. Relatively simple. And now that I said that, the uh, you know, we are getting very close to the Lookout for the Bull website uh, being done. I had to take this class and get that out of the way. Yeah, I had to take a test, go through all kinds of registrations, have to have the FBI look at you again. That's amazing. They're getting involved in everything. Yeah, so you got to get fingerprinted. It's, it's, uh, you feel like you're going to jail <laughs> just to get these licenses. But it, it was very helpful. In fact, oh no, I'm going to have to keep that thought until the next show. You've been listening to Bill Bullington right here on 1420 The Answer. This is Bullington Capital Report every Saturday morning from 11 to noon. Have a good weekend, everybody. Good luck and good investing. You just caught another edition of the Bullington Capital Report. Broadcasting every Saturday at 11 a.m. on AM 1420, The Answer. If you have a question and you'd like to speak to Bill personally, you can call him at 330-664-0700. That's 330-664-0700. Or online at BullingtonCapital.com. That's BullingtonCapital.com. Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Therefore, no current or prospective client should assume that the future performance of any specific investment, investment strategy, including the investments and or investment strategies recommended and or purchased by advisor or product made reference to directly or indirectly will be profitable. Different types of investment involve varying degrees of risk, and there can be no assurance that any specific investment will either be suitable or profitable for a client's investment portfolio. No client or prospective client should assume that any information presented serves as the receipt of 
of or substitute for personalized investment advice from the advisor or any other investment professional. The preceding program has been paid for by Bullington Capital Management, LLC. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 